everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, a teacher, or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer, or a staff member in an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of the Special Education and Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I am so happy you're here. Oh my gosh. So I'm recording this a couple weeks before the day, but I am here to tell you that we have something ginormous to celebrate here at Ashley Barlow Company. We are celebrating the 13th birthday of the one and only Jack Barlow. And that is crazy to me. It is crazy that he is 13 years old. It is crazy that it was 13 years ago that I had him. It is crazy when I think that it's only been 13 years and we've learned so much. He's taught us so much. He has learned so much. We have been through so, so much in 13 years. And I just can't believe that it's only been 13 years. And then I also can't believe that it's already been 13 years. So I wanna talk a little bit. I wanna do kind of like a tribute to these 13 years, but I want to do it. I'm gonna take out this earring cause I feel like it's a jingler and I feel like it might jingle here in my AirPod. I want to talk about it in a way that maybe gives you some lessons or some empathy or some connection that, you know, kind of matches up with the reason that you keep coming back week after week for these podcast episodes. So we're going to do a little tribute to Jack, but we're going to start with celebration. I did a podcast episode a while back where we talked about celebration. You know, and it's funny because when we think about celebration, we think that it's all about fun. But I think particularly in the disability community, it's so important to actually take time to celebrate. You know, I think this is harder the older we get or like the, the more central to like middle life we get. I think, you know, the stress of raising kids and driving carpool and balancing our work life with our home life and keeping up our houses and all of that stuff just kind of like takes precedent and we don't take time super duper often to stop and celebrate. And it was actually my friend Kara Riska, who is a life coach that does a lot of work in the disability community that said to me one time, you know, like we should stop and be like, yay, me, I did it. Yay, family, we did it. Yay, isn't that beautiful? Like stop and smell the roses and have celebrations. And I was like, we don't, you're right. So I think the idea of celebrating things and like actually stopping and preparing to celebrate is somewhat hard. One of the things that I do that's kind of like celebration oriented is I oftentimes will write a done list instead of a to-do list. I will write down all of the things that I've done during the day. And I really do it so that I can see how much I accomplished and I can kind of celebrate it. I can be like, whoo, that was a nice day. If I don't do that, I, I kind of get myself stuck in like the doldrums of like, gotta do this, gotta do that, I did this, I did that, and I don't necessarily 
necessarily get as much pride and sense of accomplishment out of the work that I do. So taking time to celebrate, taking time to stop and acknowledge what good there is, how much you've accomplished, how much you value relationships, how much you value other people's milestones, all of those things can be super duper helpful and are actually important in in our lives. So, you know, I love to say TCB, take care of business, but it's important to just stop and have fun. And that's what celebrations are. They're stopping and they're, and they're having fun and they're celebrating accomplishments and milestones. So, you know, I think about pictures of Brandon and me. Gosh, it's been years, but I came across this picture and it was like not in an album. I'm an album, album girl. And this picture was not in an album. It was like by itself. And I don't know, I was probably like in a drawer or something and found this picture of the two of us were down at my parents' summer cottage. And I think I have on a hat and he's like sitting on a chair. I might be sitting on his lap or something. It was on our fridge for a couple years after this. And I showed it to him. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this picture. I remember our friends, Michael and Maggie were down at the cottage we had gone to. Our our summer cottage has a NASCAR racetrack not too far away from it. So we had gone to our first NASCAR race because I think we got tickets from somebody. And so we invited friends down. Anyway, it's just this picture. And Brandon said, look at how relaxed those two kids are. Look at those two kids. They had no idea what was about to hit them. And I was like, yeah, we do look like totally different people, like no wrinkles, no worries, no like wisdom in our eyes either. Just like naive, happy kids. And like, maybe that's the, the, the secret. Maybe if we stop and we celebrate and we like step out of that stress, we step out of the decision making, we step out of the running and we just like chill, maybe we will have a little bit more peace. Maybe we will look like those kids in the pictures. Go look at pictures of yourself when you're 25 or 30 years old. Wow, are you refreshed looking? Maybe not 30 for us, but yeah, probably 30, 25 and 30. It really started happening when we were about 32 or 35 in our, in our personal case. So that kind of leads us to celebrating Jack Barlow and celebrating all the things that Jack teaches us, but also all the things that Jack has accomplished and the things that are so, so unique and and wonderful and beautiful in Jack's world. So the first thing, oops, my computer just, I've got you propped up here. So sorry if you're on YouTube and I look a little lost. I was a little bit lost. So the first thing I want to talk about is I want to talk a little bit about Jack's, I want to kind of just, I guess what we're going to do is take a trip down memory lane. That's the best way to say it. So, you know, he's turning 13. His birthday, if you did not know, is on the 4th of July. So, I have an episode out where I talk about Jack's birth story. I haven't gone back and listened to it in a second, but I don't know if I say this in that episode or not. I had told the doctor I was due on July 14th, Bastille Day, and I had said, I'm going to have my baby on the day of America's independence, not the day of French independence. And we had kind of a chuckle about it. And then sure enough, I went into labor on 4th of July. I knew my doctor was on call. I had had kind of a complicated pregnancy with him. So I really wanted him to deliver 
my little guy. And so I called and I was like, see, I told you I was having my baby on the 4th of July and we had a laugh about it. So, you know, what's crazy is that day that we had him, it was a totally chaotic day and I won't walk you through the entire day. But the thing that I remember in the, the after his birth was celebrating him. Our pediatrician did not have privileges at our hospital, so it was not our plan that he was going to come and, and do the well baby check. We thought that we would just use the hospital pediatrician and we had set that out as part of our plan. And then he, so my, he's our friend. So my brother called him and said, you know, that I had had a baby and he had Down syndrome. And he said, well, I'll come right over. And it was 4th of July. So I texted him and I was like, or somehow got a hold of him. And I was like, listen, do not come right now. The, everything's fine. This baby is totally fine. I'm looking at him. He's healthy. He's already eaten. He is like, cool. He's not blue. He's breathing. He's everything's fine. So I was like, enjoy your kids and come on over. So he came over. I don't know, maybe it was nine, 10 o'clock at night. And what I remember is celebrating our guy with our pediatrician who happens to be a friend. We delivered at Christ Hospital in Cincinnati, which overlooks Cincinnati has seven hills and it overlooks probably three or four of the hills. We had the best room. And so as we looked out the window of the hospital room and you know how they're bigger, we saw so many different fireworks displays and we would talk about the fireworks and then Dr. Charlie would like open Jack's little blanket and, you know, maybe listen to his heart and then he'd wrap him back up. And then we'd talk for a little while. We'd hear about his 4th of July. We'd look at the fireworks and then Dr. Charlie would, you know, maybe look in his ears or unwrap him and look in his diaper. It was this really sweet, slow medical exam and Jack had already been checked out too, but it was this celebration of our baby that didn't feel super medical. It didn't feel super developmental. It just felt like we were celebrating this miracle of life with a very nurturing, calming presence that knew enough to be nurturing and calming. So he was doing his job but he was doing it in such a celebratory, sweet, calm way, which was exactly what we needed as parents at that time. And boy, have we ever had 13 years of those kinds of memories coupled with some significant, significant scares. But that was such a good, important lesson. And like, nobody needs to freak out at the particular moment, and thank heavens, I mean, you know, a lot of kids with Down syndrome and other disabilities are not born into an environment that can be that calm and that slow paced, but thank God for us that Jack was born in that environment, and we really kind of just got to celebrate him while also kind of checking him out, and that's kind of the way it's been for the last 13 years. So then we got this little infant and man, did we have some scary appointments, right? Like we had to go get an echocardiogram of his heart and, you know, we had to go get, make sure his bowels were okay and make sure that, you know, basically like check out all of his systems. Some really scary, scary things. And what I remember was Jack kept like rocking it out. And I, I mean, listen, I am not... I've learned enough over the course of life and I've become so much more self-aware. Like I was way too optimistic, <laughs> way too ignorant of the woes of the world because, you know, I just kept thinking, well, 
he's gonna be the man, you know, he's gonna be this like healthy rock star, developmental rock star, you know, kind of the whole thing. And of course, you know, there are things that where he does struggle medically and developmentally and emotionally and that sort of thing. But I remember just being so proud and, and celebrating every single milestone and thinking, this is so cool that we are celebrating rolling over like we are, that we're celebrating first words like we do, that we're celebrating, you know, the fact that he reached for a toy, things that, you know, we would get excited for with Griffin, things that we didn't even know to get excited for with Griffin, it really became like super important things. And I thought, well, this is awesome. We have all the more opportunity to celebrate. And somewhere, you know, somehow in life, you just kind of lose that insight. You just kind of lose that like, oh, wow, aren't we lucky that we get to celebrate so much. So, you know, one of the things I remember is they wanted me to wake him up. You know, everybody was kind of fussy because he had Down syndrome. And so they were like, wake him up because he's little. Well, he was 614. He wasn't little, but I was like, okay, I'll wake him up. And so I don't know, two or three appointments in, I said to the pediatrician, this baby likes to sleep. And nobody should wake a sleeping baby. I don't want to wake him up. How much weight does he have to gain between now and whenever, like whenever we come back, so that I don't have to wake him up anymore? And he said, whatever he said, well, we got to the next appointment and Jack doubled it. And I was like, I told you we were going to do it. You just battened down the hatches. Jack and I are a team. We are forced to be reckoned with. And we're not waking up anymore. So take that people. And you know, we kind of had this like mentality. Of course, we had early intervention that started those first steps, ladies, I did not want them in my house, I cleaned, I made muffins, I like, acted like I was having company. And then three years later, when they left, they had basically like written the book of Jack told me everything to do in order to raise my child successfully. And I sure as heck didn't want him to leave. So it was crazy how that turned around and how welcoming and, and, you know, kind of part of the family they became. Jack also during those years became this like super determined kid. We saw his determination, his personality started coming out. I remember that one of our therapists said, there is a way that everybody does things. And then there's Jack's way. And it was like, yeah, yeah, he's not only going to have to do things differently, but he wants to do things differently. And this is Jack's world. And if you don't fit in it, then like, watch out, because he's just going to go right past you. So when Jack was 18 months old, that's when Brandon had cancer. And I remember, like, actually, I have a video from that time period, where I'm like holding Jack by his thighs, like you do like you, you know, I was holding him by his thighs, he was sitting up. And I was holding him kind of like at chin level by his thighs. And he was like rocking back and forth in my hands. He stayed little for long. So I could do this. He was about 18 months old rocking back and forth and like roaring like a lion. And I was like, he's great in the video. And I remember that. I remember that moment. He's looking in my bedroom door, like the mirror on the door. And I had taken him up there so that Brandon could hang out with him because Brandon was in our bedroom for several days when we got him from the hospital. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to take care of my husband who, you know, is basically immobile for several weeks. And then I have this like crazy toddler that also has these developmental needs. But that determination, you know, like that's definitely something that we have celebrated and expressed a lot of gratitude for. Because if we didn't have that determination, 
gosh, like how would he get through all of the, the challenges, the legit challenges that life has brought our way? So, you know, we, we kind of plugged away and we hit those toddler years. Of course, preschool started. I've talked ad nauseum here in the podcast episodes about how difficult preschool was for us. Kentucky's regulations say things like you can't have dittos or worksheets. You can't duplicate anything. And our school district at the time, by the way, it's gotten like 180 degrees better. But our school district at the time, the person that was leading it and the teacher of our little bitty preschool said that that meant like basically no crafts. And to the extent that they did crafts, they would not help at all. So like, I'll never forget walking in there one time and there were these stoplights on the wall, black pieces of paper with three circles for the red, yellow, and green stoplights. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Did you do a stoplight lesson? They had no lessons. They had no themes. They had no, like they had the same centers every single day. There were no celebrations. I basically like inserted myself and became a room mom so that we could celebrate holidays and have little party celebrations. They, and they offered no help. So I looked at this stoplight thing and I was like, where's Jax? And she said, oh, Jack couldn't do it. And I was like, well, didn't somebody cut out the stoplights and at least, at least help him tape it on or paste it on or something? She's like, no, we can't do that. The regulations say we can't do that. And I'm like, well, show me where, you know? And in these experiences of frustration and like things that just frankly did not make sense at all, I, like an advocate was born basically. Cause I was like, huh, that didn't make any sense. Let me look into that further. Well, what's a solution that we can what, what's a solution that we can reach in order to make this make sense, right? And so this, all of those experiences kind of turned me into the advocate that I am now and, you know, that I have continued to be since. So man, we had preschool years, we had all of those we had medical stuff, right? Like we started with sleep studies and he had his tonsillectomy. It took him seven day, 17 days to eat after the tonsillectomy. They almost had to put him on dialysis because he would not eat and his kidneys <laughs> were mad about it. Gosh, I mean, he got glasses, several sets of tubes. He got his first set of tubes when he was just shy of a year. And I think by the end of preschool, he was probably on his third or fourth set of PE tubes in his ears. So, you know, all those medical challenges and this little guy just kept like, boom, boom, boom. I got this, you know, like every little thing he just totally rocked. I think about some of his best friends. One of the little girls, her mom ended up babysitting for us. And she is still like a true friend that just appreciates him and supports him and loves him and appreciates him. I think about one little girl that he like totally loved. And, but he showed that in like extreme aggression. And so we had to figure out what aggression looked like. And we still have that now, especially with his bestie. And so we have to figure out like why, it, what he's trying to say, what he's trying to communicate when he is extremely aggressive to people that he like totally adores. He actually broke my jaw one time at courthouse bailiff was like, your jaw's broken. And I was like, eh, I just have a little bruise. And sure enough, he was like, you better go get an x-ray because it can affect the root. And I did. And I'll be darned. It was like, I don't know, a little crack or something. So I was like, wow, he headbutted me because he was mad about something. 
but you know, like those, those first friendships, gosh, do those become so much more important and something that we celebrate that we don't celebrate as significantly with our kids without disabilities because of all the complicating things and how much, you know, friends and siblings help, like how much they, they want to read with our children. They want to work with them on their therapies and their goals and their behaviors and that kind of thing. And it just becomes so, so, so incredibly beautiful. One of my favorite therapies at that time was ballet. So I was in a PT appointment and the PT said, you know, is he doing any other activities? And I started to explain it. And I was like, what he really needs is yoga. Like Jack's mind-body connection is way out of sorts. And so I was like, we've tried mommy and me yoga, but he ends up climbing all over me. I don't want to do a martial art because he does show aggression. And she was like, well, have you ever thought about dance? And I said, yeah, if I could find a dance program, that would be awesome for him. And she was like, well, we're here at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. We're starting a ballet program and we're doing it in conjunction with the Cincinnati Ballet. And she was like, that would be a great thing for you to do. And I was like, sign me up. Literally the next day we went and got his little outfit and did this assessment. And he did that from the age of, I think, three, we, we recorded this someplace, maybe two, until he was like eight or nine. I think he did it six or seven years. By far the best program that we ever did for the longest amount of time, for sure. And that actually led to Jack being in the Cincinnati Ballet's production of The Nutcracker. And at that time, we think, if you, if you actually Google Jack Barlow Ballet, you will see lots that we he was on ABC World News Tonight's website and he was on that's the one with Peter Muir that I think a lot of people like he was on Entertainment Tonight and all kinds of cool stuff so you you'll find a couple of like reels kind of videos on those things so yeah so you know all of these things again were just all about celebration all about like abnormal circumstances, right? Things that were not what we experienced with Griffin, different and beautifully different and really just kind of a cause for celebration. And so as I kind of reflect back on all of these various stages of life, the thing that keeps coming back to me is gratitude, the, the, the ability to celebrate and the gratitude for all of these experiences that we've had with him. And so I encourage you as you are thinking about, you know, going back to school or just summer celebrations or whatever, to take time to stop and celebrate those successes and the opportunities and all of the stuff that you've learned. So as I like kind of wrap this up here, I wrote some adjectives about our guy. You know, he's wild and he's silly and he's smart. He's so handsome. He's loving, determined, definitely manipulative. So, so knowing like this incredible wisdom and confidence connected and connecting. And to us, he's simply just perfect. So Thanks for letting me go on and on about my little guy. I hope you pulled a few little lessons or things that you can do with this episode. And I will see you next week, same time, same place.